this week. I'm excited about this week. So last week we went deeper into the presence of God, but now this week we're going to go deeper into the promise of God. And so the promises of God can only be found in the word of God. So today we are going to focus in on the word of God. I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to read this out of the English Standard Version of the Bible. And um, the scripture reads, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So um, I'm going to tell you all a little story. Um, anybody who knows me knows I love the game of basketball. Um, if you were to see me when I was like 18, 19, yeah, I would have had the ankles, right? Like that's <laughs> just like who I was. I loved basketball. And um, I remember um, as a kid, I suffered with really bad asthma. Anybody like asthma, by the way? Yeah, um, I want to pray for your freedom before we leave today. No, I'm so serious. God is a healer. Um, so I struggled with bad asthma um, coming up. Um, and so like I remember... Um, I was away at a camp, and um, all we did was play basketball at this camp. It was a church camp, and, and um, all we did, we just sun up, sun down, we were playing basketball. And I remember, like, my lungs were, like, like, like restricting, and, like, my throat was closing up. And I wasn't quite wise enough, mind you, I'm like a teenager, right? Like, so I'm not thinking about my health. I'm like, it's ball. Like, Jordan played with the flu. I'm good, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is, like, the mindset that I had. And um, I'm running up and down the court, and um, I'm starting, my breath is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I had no idea what, that I was having an asthma attack, um, but I just kept playing ball. I continued to play ball over and over. So every shot that I took, um, my, my breath was getting shorter and shorter. Every time I tried to cross over, my breath was getting shorter and shorter. Every time I was doing wind sprints to get back on defense, because we play defense in Detroit. Um, so, like, my, my breath started getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And, and, and so, but, but here's what God showed me, is that, that, that you, can't keep, you can't keep exhaling if you never inhale. You can't keep exhaling. You can't keep giving out. You can't keep trying to go to your job. You can't keep trying to be a mom. You can't keep trying to be a dad. You can't try to be a great husband and be a great wife. You cannot keep giving out if you never breathe in. And the word of God is God's breath on a page. And if we never open up the word of God and study the word of God and meditate the word of God, we never inhale. So what we end up doing, we end up fainting. We end up giving ourselves over to addiction and giving ourselves over into, you know, an abusive, toxic relationship. Why? Because all we're trying to do is get resuscitated. But the only thing that can resuscitate our soul is the written word of God the written word of God. And so what we've got to understand is that when we read scripture, and I mean every scripture, I mean from Genesis to Revelation, every bit of scripture has been breathed out by God. Every single verse is God's breath on a page. And I want to, I want to invite you this morning to make a commitment to God and say, you know what? I'm going to try to stop 
trying to play basketball all, all day long with restricted lungs. I'm going to try to stop being a mom with restricted lungs. I'm going to stop trying to date with restricted lungs. I'm going to stop trying to do life with restricted lungs. And I'm going to open up the word of God. And I'm going to allow God to breathe inside my soul. And that's where our life comes from. You know, um, so God's promises, again, are found in the word of God. And I want to share three things with you this morning about God's promises. So we're, we are a, a, a church that worships. We enjoy the presence of God. Can y'all give it up for our worship team, by the way? I mean, did an amazing job ushering in the presence of God. And I just want to say, hey, make sure y'all are here at 10 a.m. on the dime. I know some of y'all, like, just are late risers. Um, I know we got kids, and sometimes our kids set us back, like, an hour um, sometimes. Um, sometimes we set ourselves back by hitting the snooze button. But I just want to say, listen, like, in this season, you got to get into the presence. Like, you have to get into the presence of God. So I want to say, like, get here as early as you can. 10 a.m. Is, is when our countdown video starts. 10.05, our worship is going. And you want to be here every single moment. Listen, when we worship and when we praise God, it's, this is the space where church is the most meaningful. Because when we worship, when we lift up our hands, heaven comes down and touches our souls. So I want to invite y'all to do that. And then what we're doing now, we're, we're going through the word of God. And now I want to challenge everybody in the room, like, to make a commitment and say, you know what? I'm going to allow God to speak to me through scripture. People often ask me, um, how do you hear from God, Pastor? Anybody ever had that question? Like, how do I know if this is me or if this is God or if this is the devil, right? Well, I want to let you know the primary way that God speaks to us is through his written word. It's through the Bible. Like, that is the primary way that God speaks to us. Um, and so I want to I talk to you guys about three things, uh, three need-to-knows about the promises of God. Number one, God's promises are true. Like, end of story, right? Like, God's promises are true. Every single promise in Scripture is true. Our life does not... Uh, does not dictate whether or not God's promises are true. Our situation doesn't determine whether or not God's, God's scripture is true and valid. No, God's scriptures are true. They are final authority. So God's promises are true. Let's go to Numbers chapter 23, verses 19 and 20. I hope y'all brought y'all a shout this morning. Because when I had read this scripture earlier, I was like, oh my God, like, like, this scripture gave me so much life. It gave me so much encouragement. So I hope y'all brought y'all a whole shout. Because, and again, if this is y'all first time, let me just say I'm sorry. Um, but we be getting loud in here when we get excited about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I mean, he's my savior. He saved my soul, literally saved my life. So when I think about his goodness and all that he's done for me, I've got to lift up my hands, and i got to raise up a shout to God. Amen. So Numbers chapter 23, verses 19 and 20, it says, God is not a man 
that he should lie. Nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed. And I cannot reverse it. So the first thing that we need to know is God is not a man. A man may lie to you. A man may be uh, uh, misleading. A man may mean well and make promises that he can't keep. But God is not a man. And God is not a man that he should lie. Nor is he the son of man that he should repent. And then he says that, like, if I've said something, like, if I've said something, are you telling me I won't do it? This is the attitude of your God. Come on, this is the attitude of the God of, of, of the God Almighty, that if he says something, it becomes true. He cannot lie. It is not possible for God to renege on what he has said. God cannot, will not, ever lie. God's, what God, whatever God said, it has to be. Like he will never renege on his word. So that brings me to number two. God's promises never changes. God's promises never changes. I want to stop and I want, I want you to con- consider this question. You don't have to answer this question aloud. What promise did God make you that you've allowed to die on the inside? Because it hasn't looked like what God's promise said. I want you guys to really like think about the dreams and, and, and think about the promises that God has made to you personally. Now I want to stop and ask too that what has the word of God said about your life that doesn't look like your life? And you said in your mind, well, I guess God's word is a lie because my reality is this. I want you guys to flip the script today and say, no, whatever is happening in my life is a lie and God's word is the truth. I don't know who this is for today. But I'm here to let you know it is time to stop talking about how big your problem is. And it's time to start telling your problem how big your God is. I wish somebody would give God a shout of praise today. So God cannot lie. He cannot change his mind. If God promised you healing, he has not changed his mind. If God has promised that you would be married. God will not change his mind. I wish somebody single in this place will reach up and grab that by faith that God knows exactly what you need. Y'all better stop trying me this morning. God cannot change his mind. Cannot change his mind. What has God said about your purpose? He cannot change his mind. What has God said about your children? He cannot change his mind. Last time I checked, I don't know who this is for, but I believe that somebody's got a wayward kid. And the last time I checked, the word of God says all throughout Psalms, we can look at David's life And God promised David, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he promised David, that promise is good enough for me. And he says that if we would honor God, God's steadfast love is unchanging for a thousand generations. 
that includes my kid. So Briley will know the unchanging love of God. Somebody better grab that by faith. This is a promise from God, and God's word is truth. God's word is truth. You know, I, I, um, I came home uh, one day, and um, Briley likes to do, like, arts and crafts. And um, I'm, like, I'm like, I think I was, I was doing my job, y'all, like I was cleaning the kitchen. <laughs> right, like, don't at me. Like, I be, I be putting in work at home, trust me. Right. So my wife works just as hard as I do. So we share responsibilities in the household. Shout out to all the real brothers in the room that know what I'm talking about. I don't see no brothers clapping right now. It's all ladies like he better preach. He preaching now. <laughs> so, so so I'm like preoccupied with cleaning the kitchen and stuff like that. Like I'm Loading the dishwasher and all that stuff. No, I don't wash by hand. Sorry. Um, so I'm loading the dishwasher, and um, Briley's at the kitchen table, and she's like, Daddy, look. And I'm like, yeah, baby. And I'm, you know how you, like, kind of paying attention, but you're really not um, because I'm, I'm trying to, like, you know, hurry up and finish the kitchen. And, um, and so Briley's like, Daddy, look. And so she's, she's holding up a piece of paper. And she was like, can you read it, Daddy? I was like, yeah, I'll read it. She was like, what does it say? I was like, Bobby. <laughs> Hearts all around it. Like, true story. This just happened. This just happened yesterday. I'm like, like I don't know what to do in a situation. I'm like, I'm going to come to this school, and I'm going to mess this little kid up. Like, what is he doing with my daughter, right? Like, she's five, y'all, right? Um, just tell y'all how messed up I am. God ain't through with me yet. Don't judge me. <laughs> Right. Um, and so it's true story. So she's got hearts all around and all this. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, so I close my eyes and I'm like, God's steadfast love will be known by my daughter. <laughs> right. But but it's a it's a promise because sometimes our kids go off. Sometimes our kids don't get it right and they don't do all that we want them to do, and they're not living a, a 100% godly life. I'm telling you, if you don't stand on the promises of God, you'll fall for the lies of the enemy. We got to stand on the promises of God. They are true. And so now I want to look at, um, I want to look at, um, let's see, where, where, where do I want to go? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Like, like this scripture had me shouting at the crib too. Verse 19 and 20, it says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, me, so Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God, through us. Listen, God does not say yes to some of his promises and no to some of his promises. His promises are yes and amen. If God promised it, it is a yes. Yes, God wants you free. 
Yes, God wants you delivered. Yes, God wants you prosperous. Yes, God wants you blessed. Yes, God wants you to be married. Yes, God wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. Y'all better level, uh, turn to your neighbor and tell them to level up because your amen is not leveling up to my level of preaching right now. I need y'all to level up. God wants you blessed. His promises are yes and amen. He is not a sometimey type of God. He doesn't say yes today and no tomorrow. No, his promises are yes. God's promises are yes. If it is in the word of God, his promises, yes. Yes, I want you healed. I don't know who, who is like who. I don't know who it is in here that's given up on your idea of healing. The last time I checked, his word says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The punishment that was necessary to bring us peace was laid upon Jesus. And by his stripes, we are healed. Don't you give up on any promise that he has given you. He has promised, if God has promised it, we've got to believe it. And his word says that when we have faith, we'll be able to receive what he said. It's in our faith. We got to believe. Amen? Like, I hope this message stirs you the same way that it's stirring me to continue to have faith. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. So, so we're going to talk about the word of God even more in this scripture. I love this text. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. So now I want to give you, I want to give, did I give y'all the third thing? I gave it to y'all already? Yup, you got it. Y'all got it. Y'all so sharp. <laughs> Amazing. So now I want to give you three things that the Bible does when you read it. I want to give you three things the Bible does when you read it. So the first thing that the Bible does, as soon as you open it up, and, and listen, this is the key, when you open up scripture, you need to open up your heart. Like anytime we approach scripture, you cannot have the mentality and say, ah, I know this already. Anytime you open up the word of God, you, you, you cannot have a closed mind when it comes to what the word of God is actually saying. So we, your, your heart is either 100% open to what the word of God says or, or it's just not open. We can't partially agree. Like the word of God is not a buffet. It's not like just like you can pick and choose what goes on your plate. No, like you, gotta, you have to accept and receive everything that's in Scripture. So we got to open up our hearts. And when we open up our hearts, then God is actually able to do what? Number one, the Word of God transforms you. The Word of God is so transformative. Like it says that the Word of God is living and powerful. So every time you open up the scripture, I don't care if you can, you read the same verse every single day. If your heart is open, the word is alive. So it will give you new revelation every time you read it. 
Every single time you read the word of God, it is able to transform you. Every single time you read the word of God, look, when we read the word of God, we ought to have some element of change in our lives. So we don't just hurry up and read like the, on the Bible app, like the verse of the day. All right, I read scripture, like did it, but did it, but did it transform you? See, this every single time you have access to the, the most powerful book on the planet, it's the word of God. And so the, the, John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the word made flesh. So every single time you open up and you read the word of God, Jesus starts to read you. And Jesus begins to do surgery. That's why it says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So it begins to pierce and it begins to penetrate and it begins to do surgery and make incisions in your life so that he can begin to uproot a lot of the bad seed that's been in your life. And we all got bad seed in our lives. We all watch things that we shouldn't watch sometimes. We're all exposed to things in our, our hearing that we shouldn't hear. So God's got to get in there. And we've had experiences and we've had letdowns and we've fallen into sin in some different areas where God comes in and he begins to do surgery in our hearts. And he began, and it gets really uncomfortable, too. And this is your pastor saying it's uncomfortable where I'm, I'm, I'm reading that and I'm like, I don't like that, God. I don't like that at all. <laughs> Love my neighbor. Like, who's my neighbor, God? But listen, but if I've got a heart that says, change me, the word of God will do what it was intended to do. We can't want the promises, but not want the change. Ooh, man, tweet a friend. That was good. Wow. Dang. Receive it. Um, So his word is so powerful. So each word of the Bible is a seed. And if our hearts are open and the ground is fertile, this seed is going to be planted on the inside of our hearts and it'll produce fruit in our lives. God desires for us to be fruitful. He wants his word to begin to take root in our hearts so that it can produce fruit in our lives. The word of God is alive, so it brings life to you every time you read it. Every single time that you read it, it brings more life. This is why I advocate when you come to Vive City Church, yes, you're going to have an amazing time in the presence of God, but you're going to have an amazing time receiving the promises of God through the word of God and good preaching. We don't water down the word of God here. No, we explore the word of God. We deep dive into the word of God so that you can understand it and apply it to your life. So we want you to take notes. And when you come and you take notes, then you can go back throughout the week and you can begin to study and meditate what we said on Sunday. Because, what? listen, like Sunday is just, it's, it's like a, it's a catapult moment. Sunday is a catalyst. All I can do on a Sunday with, with preaching is inspire you to do what the text says. But the real life change happens when we open up the Bible and the pages of life ourselves throughout the week. And it begins to change the course of our lives. Number two, so the Bible searches you. So the Bible is the only book, like I just said, the Bible is the only book on the planet that when you read it, it begins to read you. 
the word of God will read your mail. And sometimes it's real embarrassing. Clutch my pearls. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You just know you didn't. You, did you really just expose me like that? Like all exposed. But that's where transformation can happen where we open up ourselves, and I love like David, and this reminds me of David, and David says, search me, O God. Come on, renew a right spirit in me. Like this is the prayer that we ought to pray every single time without, without fail. When I open up scripture and I'm about to read scripture, I just pray a simple prayer. I say, God, I pray that you'll open up the eyes of my understanding so that, that I may behold the truth of your word, and I pray that your word will begin to transform the areas that aren't true in me. And God will begin to go to work. And scripture will begin to go to work in our lives. And it will transform us. So scripture searches us. So it really searches your heart. Our hearts could be a scary place. We say, oh, God, you know my heart. Yeah, he do, though. <laughs> like, like he really does know. So our hearts can be a really scary place. Um, and so the heart is deceitful. Sometimes the motives of our heart aren't right. Sometimes the desires in our, so when, it, when the, the scripture says that it, that it begins to divide us, soul and spirit and, 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 and mind, and it begins to divide your, you know, even in, in your body, well, it begins to kind of begin to reveal and do surgery in areas in your body that have bad desires. And our bodies, everybody's body in here, including mine, have bad desires in it because we live in a fallen state. I don't care who you are. You can act holier than thou if you want to. We all know the truth. But the word of God begins to expose areas in us. It begins to expose our mind. What are you really thinking about your kids right now? What are you really thinking about that guy at work right now? What are you really thinking about your boss right now? What are you really thinking about your neighbor right now? Like the word of God begins to read you. But listen, until we can look into the mirror of the word of God and see who Christ wants us to be, he can't heal you. He can't heal you. Transformation can only happen when we look into the mirror of the word of God, which is truth. And truth can be uncomfortable, especially when we have been blinded by lies. And so the enemy wants us to walk around blind so that, and, and listen, any lie that you accept from the enemy leads you only in the darkness. But when we allow the truth of the word of God to shine bright, we can actually see where we should go. So it gives us wisdom. All right, so now look, let's, 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 let's look at this because I know that this is uncomfortable, right? We all know like you know, what scripture says about areas that are broken in our lives. We know it, and we know it's uncomfortable. But here's what I have to say. Let's look at verse 13. It says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, meaning God. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So I'd rather be uncomfortable while reading the word of God now and allowing it to transform me before I stand before God. Nothing is really hidden before God. Like, I mean, we go through seasons like, oh, I didn't messed up. I can't go to church. Like, we hiding from God. Like, he sees us anyway. 
right? Like, like, oh, I, I can't pray right now because, boy, like, if he knew what I did last night, well, he kind of, he, he, yeah, I mean, he, he saw it. Like, he already saw it. Like, he had already had seen it. Like, he saw it. He saw it. So, like, I love this because if we would, if for sake of time we won't go there, but if you continue to read down in Hebrews, it says that um, let us draw near to the throne of grace so that we can receive grace and mercy in the time of need. So it says in the time of need. So we need to access the throne of grace, not when we've done everything amazing, but, but like, I need it when I'm about to, like, cuss my man out that just cut me off in traffic on 75. I need his throne in. I need grace. I need grace when I'm messing up. I need grace when I'm not doing what the Word of God says. And so when we, when we mess up, we don't need to run from God. We don't need to hide from God. We need to hide in God. We need to hide in God. And here's what we need to know about grace. Grace gives us a second chance and a 2,000 chance and all these things. Like, it gives us multiple opportunities. But grace, here's what we need to know. Charis, grace, means that God actually empowers us to become more like him. So grace isn't, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, which he does. But he gives you grace to do better with the other opportunity that he's given you. So, like, it's, it's no different. Like, if our kid, if, my, if Briley, like, just, like, you know, like, not saying that she does this, but let's just say, like, if she just, like, sometimes she, like, looks up, she's, like, getting taller now, so she's, like, right eye level with, like, the stove. And so I'm constantly, like, telling her, baby, you got to back up. But if Briley continues to, like, you know, come up to the stove and come up to the stove, and she just tells me, Daddy, I'm sorry. 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 Don't that look like our walk with God? Daddy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. And she never has a, a change of course. Has my lessons of grace ever taught her anything? So grace changes us. It works with the word of God in perfect harmony. So that's why when Jesus came on the scene, he says that I give you grace and truth. I give you grace. So he proceeds with grace. So he's not throwing rocks at any of anybody's situation right now. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you're dealing with, he does not judge you. Jesus said, I, does not, I do not come to the world to judge it. I came to the world to love it. But our own actions judge ourselves. It's not Christ. So Jesus comes with grace. And so like, here's the third thing that we need to know about the word of God, what it does, what it does when we read it. It anchors you. It anchors you. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, Verses, we're going uh, to read a few verses here, and then I'm going to close up. So verse, starting at verse 13, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, I need to break some things down to you. So it says, that, it says that God had made a promise to Abraham. And so Abraham, here's what we need to know about Abraham. Abraham was 75 
years old. He did not have a kid. He had been married for years. He did not have a kid. And God made a promise to Abraham that I will make you a father of many nations. Matter of fact, his name wasn't even Abraham when God made a promise to him. His name was Abram. But God started calling him Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. When you grab hold of God's promise, you'll see that God will even change your name before you change your situation. God begins to tell you where you're going while you're still stuck in your mess. And so Abraham, Abram is, is, is 75 years old, and God comes around and he promises him that he's going to have a kid. And he's like, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm 75, God. Uh, I don't know if I'm still like, you know, as, uh, as you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I don't know if I could swing the bat like I used to, God. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could hit that home run, God. Like, I don't know. And then to add insult to injury, his wife is 65. 65. I don't know when menopause hit back then. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. But she was 65 years old. And, and so in the add insult to injury, she had been barren all her life. You see, God will make you a promise when things aren't promising. Come on, God will make you a promise when things aren't promising, and he will make good on his word, but we've got to grab his promise by faith and say, I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to speak those things which be not as though they were. So this is what we learned in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. God says that there was, he, there's a hope against hope. That God, even though Adam or Abraham had no reason to hope in what God had promised, I'm a hope against what I see. And God says he's a God that calls things which be not as though they were. What does your marriage look like, but what did God say that it should look like? Are you speaking it into existence? Our word has creative power. What are you speaking over your children? Are you speaking what you see or are you speaking what he said? Oh, Jesus. We got to speak what God has said, not what we see. Not what we see. I don't, I don't care what condition your body is in. God has promised you healing. I don't care what your finances look like. Do you know that God's, one of God's promises that, is that the blessing of God makes you rich and adds no sorrow to it? No, this is not a prosperity gospel. This is a promise from God. I believe every scripture in the Bible. And so Abraham, and then it took Abraham 25 years to see God's promise fulfilled. But it was fulfilled. Abraham was 100 years old when he first held his baby boy. Have you given up? Have you lost hope? Have you said, uh, God must have forgotten about me or I don't deserve it? Abraham had sin in his life, but God still gave him his promise. God desires for you to know that his promises are yes and amen. That if it is there in scripture, 
it is yours, that it belongs to you. I love, I love this next part here in, um, here in, in, in uh, Hebrews, verse 17. It says, thus God determined to show more abundantly, come on somebody, to the heirs of promise, the immutability, meaning unchangeableness, of his counsel confirmed by an oath, that's his covenant, that by two immutable things, his promise and his word, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation or confidence who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us, that is in Jesus. This hope we have is an anchor for our souls. So the enemy begins to mess with our mind, our will, and our emotions, which is our soul. That we, when we look at a situation and it's not what God said it would be, we get troubled in our souls. We get troubled in our minds. We begin to have ill thoughts. Maybe God isn't going to come through. Maybe God did forget about me. Maybe I'm not worth it. Maybe, maybe like, I don't deserve it. Maybe, maybe God is done with me. Maybe I'm not forgiven. Maybe I'm not really saved. These are all thoughts that come from the enemy. And what ends up happening is God desires for his covenant or his promise to be an anchor for your soul. So here's, here's the deal. Um, you know, I, I, I tell Mishi this all the time. I, like, I want to I get a boat. Like, I love the water. I know Texas is dry. I don't know where I'm going with it. But I like being out on the water. Um, but one thing that I do know is that, like, in order for you to keep your boat docked, you had better have an anchor. Because the wind and the waves will get your boat off of position. But check this out, though. God desires for us to be anchored just like that boat is on a dock. But, but I love this part because when that anchor goes down in the floor of the sea and settles, that boat, is going to feel every bit of wind and wave, but it's still going to be docked. And God is letting you know that your mind, your will, your emotions, your life, your family, you're going to feel all of life's wind and waves. But when his promises are anchoring your soul, you will stay in position. You will keep trusting God. You will keep having faith. You will continue to endure so that you can obtain the promise. Amen? So listen, I want to charge you, church. Let's get in our word. Let's continue to feed our faith. Let's continue to stand on the promises of God so we won't fall prey to the lies of the enemy.